Hey, hi, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome to our fifth session of the Bhagavad Gita reading. Um, this is, I have Cece here with me, and I'm Radha Priti, and we are reading through this. So today we are on text. We'll start with text 14. So far, we've been kind of focused on the side of the Korvas, the non-virtuous side, and they're, they've been preparing for battle. So now we're going to switch over and focus on the side of the Pandavas and see um, and see what happens there. You ready to get us into it, Cece? Yeah, wonderful. So you could say it's a very exciting, dramatic scene. If we were in the middle of a something like a sports match, then we would say that the sports match is about to begin and it's a war. It's interesting that in this war, the overall spirits are high. So the first chapter has 46 texts and we are come to the 13th text now. So in the 14th text, the focus of the narrative camera, the narrative lens comes to the side of the Pandavas. And among them, it starts with two characters. Maybe you can read that verse 14. Yeah. On the other side, both Lord Krishna and Arjuna, stationed on a great chariot drawn by white horses, sounded their transcendental conch shells. Yes. So oh, here it's interesting the contrast between Duryodhan, Duryodhan's vision and the narrator's vision, that is the character Sanjay, who is narrating this to mm, Duryodhan's vision and the narrator's vision. Duryodhan completely overlooked Krishna. He didn't even mention Krishna at all. Whereas the Sanjay begins with Krishna. So this verse is saying that on the other side, on a beautiful, a majestic charioteer, a majestic chariot with white horses, there are two people, Madhava, Pandava. So now, one of the characteristics of older civilization in general, and especially of the Indian civilization is that each character has many names. Mm -hmm. And at different times, the same character is referred to by different names. And sometimes the commentators here go into uh, why this particular name is used for this character at that particular point. So we won't go too much into that. But here, the Gita, sometimes it's easy to forget that it is a poetic book. And the two names used for the two characters are rhyming, Madhava and Pandava. So Madhava is the name of Krishna and Pandava is here referring to Arjuna. Now, and Pandava, there are five brothers on their side. So all five are the, could be referred to as Pandavas because Pandava basically means son of Pandu. Pandu was their father. So Pandavas in plural is the sons and Pandava one is one of the sons. So which is the son? That is implicit 
because if somebody has known the mahabharat then they will know with krishna is going to be arjuna okay so, so you're saying in the sanskrit it it refers like when i read the translation it says lord krishna and arjuna but the sanskrit when it when it's translated as lord krishna the sanskrit says madhava and then what's translated as arjuna the sanskrit says pandavas so if i would have read that that's how that's how that would have translated that's what you're referring to yes it's good point actually mm, this is one challenge with poetry the poetry is actually very difficult to translate it's almost non translatable mm -hmm. because we could translate text we could translate words you could find the equivalent meanings of words from here to there and put those words that's all fair enough but when it comes to poetry there's so much more going on over there and uh, they finding the exact equivalent words finding the denotations and the alliterations and all those poetic ornaments so that's quite difficult to figure out but i i'm also familiar with the sanskrit that's why if when we are talking i was talking about from that perspective but yeah good point that it's a it's a, it's a good reminder that this is it's called the song of god so it's more like a philosophy through poetry or through a poetic it's philosophical wisdom through a poetic composition so there are some poetic properties but anyway without going too much into that beautiful what is happening what is happening is these two characters are there and uh, when you said that duryodhana yeah, overlooked krishna do you mean that when he amped up his side his troops he didn't say anything about krishna is that what you're referring to exactly yes he didn't even mention krishna at all we had discussed how he mentioned karna even when karna was not present over there and he failed right. to mention krishna even when krishna was present right there right so it's showing that his mind is is extremely biased to to his yes. to his nature and his and his kind of corrupt his corrupt nature really so you know that, that is, this is a universal fact of psychology we don't see things as they are we see things as we think they matter to us so our right. vision things as they are they may be there but we the way seeing the things as they matter to us but as we think they matter to us it is that so how we see things that's that's vision over here vision could be many things so for duryodhan krishna doesn't seem to matter at all but in the big picture krishna is going to matter a lot and that's why this text is beginning with krishna himself and now go, if we go back to that theme that okay is the place going to have some influence it seems to be that there are many positive omens positive signs for the pandava side and we'll come to that one by one 
but one of them here is the word madhava madhava it literally means the lord of fortune the one on whose side is fortune so it's a bit more poetic this consider fortune is often considered to be a goddess and lord of the goddess of fortune but you could put it simply so this indicates that hey that is a powerful side so so and then it is described that what are they doing divyo shankha pradat mother they also blow their conches so basically here there is no talking right now the talking was on the other side both of them krishna and arjuna they both blow their conches so it's interesting here that generally it is the warriors that blow the conches the charioteers don't usually blow the conches subsequently in the subsequent list that will be given of who all blow the conches it's a list of the warriors mentioned the charioteers are not mentioned so although krishna is in one sense a he is a charioteer over here you know he is not an ordinary charioteer that he is he krishna is the charioteer it is not as a profession there is no profession there is no compulsion it is not that there was a gun at his head and you have to be my charioteer it is simply out of affection that before this war began now if we go a little bit into the history krishna we'll talk about krishna's position a little later but krishna is the divine descended to the world and he is descended descended in a particular dynasty so both these people if you could say the pandavas and the kauravas they are both in the same dynasty hmm they are in one dynasty and then there is and krishna has appeared in another dynasty i won't go into the names of the dynasty so much over here but here krishna has appeared and this dynasty is related they have relationship with both sides so in those times often the relations between were established through marriages and marriages between different royal families would happen so that there would be a military alliances also so they were related on both sides so krishna said that before the war when both sides approached him to seek his help krishna said that no i krishna had a brother balram he just stayed out he said i am going to be neutral krishna said you know this war is too important i won't stay out but he said i will i will offer my army on one side and i will be there on other side i won't be using any arms so when duryodhan from the pandava side had kaurava side had gone he thought oh, what is the use of one person as compared to an army of thousands and thousands of people and that person is also saying i am not going to fight so what's the use so he was bursting with eagerness to choose but krishna tried to the krishna just curbed his enthusiasm he said that wait a minute both of you come for my help but you know i saw arjuna first so what had happened was 
Krishna, you could say, had been lying down. It's too long. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> Krishna had been lying down on bed. <laughs> and then Duryodhan came and just stood, he stood at his head. And Arjuna stood at his feet. Now standing at the feet is a sign of humility. So when Krishna got up, he saw Arjuna first. And Duryodhana said, I was here first. I should have the right to choose. Krishna said, okay. So I saw Arjuna first. Anyway, Arjuna is younger to you. Let him choose. Duryodhana was gritting his teeth. No. And then Arjuna said, Krishna, I choose you. And Duryodhana said, what a fool. What a loser. No intelligence at all. But externally, oh, okay. And I'll have to settle for the army. Just put on a facade and he came back. But here when Arjuna chose Krishna, Arjuna chose Krishna primarily because he knew that Krishna is the source of wisdom, the source of power, he is the source of fortune. Arjuna preferred that personal connection that over material prowess. And at that time, when Arjuna made that choice, he also requested Krishna that, can you be my charioteer? So now, when Arjuna made this request to Krishna to be a charioteer, this request to be a charioteer, it could have been seen as a sign of disrespect. Uh, he's, he's a formidable emperor, a formidable king. He is not only a king, he's like a king maker. He is very powerful. You're asking him to be a charioteer. But Arjuna and Krishna had a very affectionate relationship. And Krishna had been a charioteer for Arjuna also. So this request, that he, so there are two things, you know, he, he chose Krishna because of his affection. He loved Krishna. He had trust in Krishna's power. He had that vision to understand Krishna's position. He says, Krishna, even without weapons, even if he does not fight, his wisdom is huge and his insights will be huge. And then he asked him to be the charioteer because they were already a team. He wanted to be with Krishna. A warrior cannot just have time with other warriors constantly. But he asked him to be chariot out of his friendship. I want to be with you constantly, even in the war. And also because Krishna was an expert charioteer. Krishna, of course, was expert in many things. But the point is that here, the Gita introduces God, Krishna, in a disarmingly humble position. That he, where is he? His God uh, is not high up in the sky, reigning in the heavens. This is not to minimize any other tradition, but see if you consider the biblical tradition, in the beginning was the word, and the, where the word was God. So the idea is God is existing high up or majestically. And yes, there are some mysterious, mystical revelations. Generally, the general conception of God high up in the sky, almighty. But here, the idea of God is such an endearing vision of divinity that God, if normal idea is that we humans are here, and God is way up here somewhere, high up. But here, in one sense, you could say, in the chariots, position, the human is above and God is below. So, 
this is the human is arjuna and the divine here is krishna so this is a very this is a very endearing bewildered puzzling intriguing whatever word you want to use intriguing way of uh, position that krishna has and uh, in a movie often you know how the main star comes often people put a lot of thought into that maybe it's a warrior the warrior comes charging in to save a damsel in distress or to beat up some thugs it's generally it's a dramatic entry and especially if it's a theater release movie you know people cheer and ex and they explode with joy when they see the hero so here the hero's entry in the mahabharat is described in the most unexpected way yeah there's a magnificent chariot and he's there on the chariot but he is the chauffeur he's not the warrior hey what's going on so it's a very fascinating way of introducing of uh, the main character the song of god but god's introduction is in a disarming humbly disarmingly humble way in a disarmingly humble position unassuming position we can say wow wow so 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 much to unpack here you're you're saying before the battle if if, if we re- read the mahabharat the story is in it where drona and arjuna um go to see krishna and both ask him to help them and he gives them the choice of him or his army and drona is to him the obvious answer is his army because material speaking that's more powerful but arjuna has deeper wisdom and knowing and and he's he's just wants krishna so right from from the get go it's it's kind of foreshadowed then in the mahabharata that that the decisions that drona makes are that he's driven materially and he's not his connection to krishna is not that strong even though like in proximity he's super like he's close to krishna i was thinking about this this morning in in my meditation like we could be so close to krishna but yet so far away if if our consciousness is isn't there and um that's such a lesson and warning f- for all of us to the point where with jirodna he was in a holy place and it it didn't affect him at all again it's it's just a testament like the reciprocation that we have with or the relationship we had with god is reciprocal and if we're not reaching out and we're not we're not opening our hearts up to that then then we won't be able to experience it's a good reminder for us all but then also what what you just said about krishna is so beautiful you know it's that is that the introduction to krishna yeah, i put it is, the same just to yeah just to put it in the same way god is close to us yet we can be far away from god so yeah. it's uh, it's a matter of disposition mm no the gita will later tell about in terms of position we god is in our hearts in that sense he's close to us but in our disposition we are turned away from him far away from him yeah yeah you're saying different. something yeah And the difference here is just Arjuna chose Krishna right from the beginning from the very beginning that was clear and it was also clear that Duryodhana chose material power and 
strength and but the other point that you made was so beautiful about the introduction to god being as a charioteer a chariot a chariot driver which i love how you said that krishna chose him because he he wanted him to be he wanted to be close to him all the time he chose him like out of friendship it's like hey can you be in my chariot with me because i want to hang out with you all the time but when you look at it like materially the chariot driver is like serving the 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 warrior so in that way it, it it's like but god does that knowingly and lovingly just out of affection for for us he'll be our servant and that's so sweet yeah so thank you for that Maybe I'll just do a quick recap. We just focus on one verse today, the 14th word text, and discussed three main points. The first was that how the narrative lens is focusing on Krishna, and that indicates that the narrator Sanjay's vision is different from Duryodhan's vision. Duryodhan completely overlooked Whereas Sanjay didn't. Sanjay looked at first and foremost at him. And then second, we discussed the history of how Krishna and Arjuna were together. Krishna and Arjuna together in the distinct position that Krishna is the charioteer. And third is we talked about the intro to the central character, to God, is so disarming over here. Hmm. He comes in a such an intriguing position as not the supreme being, but as subordinate to a human being out of affection. So we'll continue in our next session. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank you.